When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 51 of the podcast. And today we are going to preview the 49ers Week 8 matchup against the Chicago Bears. The Niners are traveling to Chicago this weekend, playing at 10 o'clock on the East Coast. Going to be a great game. Going to be Justin Fields, someone who could have been the 49ers' number three draft pick. Many fans wanted Justin Fields at three. The hashtags were everywhere during draft season. They're going to play him on Sunday. Going to be Jimmy Garoppolo as he's starting quarterback in one of the biggest games of the year. And that's where we start today's show is Jimmy Garoppolo. And I want to start off with a story. I want to start off with an analogy here. And I think it's a pretty good one. I think it's one many of us can actually relate to. And if not, well, then either good or I'm sorry for yourself. But um, I think it's one that is common. Especially when you've been in relationships for a long time. Or you've been with someone for an extended period of time. And let's say we've been in this relationship with a significant other for a while. Everything's great. You're happy. Every week is a new adventure. And you feel like you finally found that special someone. Then you get three or four years into that relationship and everything that used to make you smile and happy no longer works, no longer makes you happy. Complacency starts to set in. But then you start to catch yourself thinking about other people, seeing other people in a different way. And it makes things exciting again. It feels fresh. It feels new. It makes you feel the way you used to feel. And you wonder, well, maybe it's not working out anymore. Maybe I should find someone new. But you stay in the relationship and slowly you become less and less attached to the person you're in the relationship with, to your significant other. Now you're face to face. You've had that dreaded talk about going separate ways but the feeling's actually mutual. You both feel the exact same way. You both need that fresh start. You both need that spark in your life again. But you realize you're locked into that relationship for at least another week. You have prior engagements you have to fulfill. So you agree. One last time, we will give this a try and hoping we can rekindle the magic that was once there. You go back to where it all started, Chicago, Illinois, against the Chicago Bears on a Sunday. Jimmy Garoppolo's very first start. That is where Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo's relationship currently sits. They are at an impasse. This is the last stand 
for Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan's relationship. The Niners need a win on Sunday or everything they've invested in the pairing of Shanahan and Garoppolo falls apart and they have failed as a duo for the very last time. Sunday versus the Bears is their last stand together. And it's very fitting, very fitting. It's all coming full circle. The Niners traded for Garoppolo October 31st, 2017. Second round pick to the Patriots in what looked like their franchise quarterback at the time. In what many, including myself, jumped on the bandwagon, said, this is our guy. I remember the day they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. I was in college. I was sitting in class and I literally stood up and I yelled, let's freaking go. All the rumors, all the speculation were true. They made a trade for someone who I thought, and many others did as well, thought this is going to be our ticket in the quest for six to get that Super Bowl you've all wanted since 1994, since 1995. You fast forward a couple years, we're sitting in that Super Bowl thinking, we got this thing, we're nine minutes away, and it crumbles. Now fast forward two more years, we are back to where it all started. The last stand, the place in which Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan are trying to rekindle that magic they had in 2017 and 2019. Rekindle what was once there. The success, the efficiency, the consistency that was once there. That permeated through the entire locker room, the entire offense, Every inch of the organization, the confidence this pairing, this duo brought to the organization. This is their last chance to find that spark again before it's over. Before they can finally say, for the betterment of ourselves, we have to part ways. Whether it's by a trade, by a release by a benching and letting Trey Lance take over this starting role. This Sunday against the Bears, October 31st, Halloween morning, is the final and the last stand for Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. To certain people, it's heartbreaking. To certain people, they don't see it that way, and that's fine. I talked about in the offseason how Week 11 seems like the best place for Trey Lance to take over this starting role. And I want to tell you now, while it is the last stand, while it is the final hope to rekindle that magic once again, I do believe the 49ers win on Sunday against the Chicago Bears. The Niners are three-point favorites. I do think on Sunday, Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan rekindle at least somewhat of that magic once again. And I do think they leave Chicago with a win, snapping a four-game losing streak, and at least pushing off their inevitable split one more week. This is the current state of the 49ers, a week-by-week process, a week-by-week assessment of the franchise, of the head coach 
in a quarterback. Many people were done with them in the offseason. Many people said, well, after the Seahawks game, he's hurt, put in Lance. That was pushed off because of Lance's own injuries. Now it seems like Lance is healthy again. And if he isn't fully healthy, he will be next week against the Cardinals. Which is why the speculation now is, this is Jimmy Garoppolo's last chance to stave off losing his job. His last chance to be the San Francisco 49er quarterback one more time. To hold on to his current depth chart spot. To be QB1 one last time for the organization that traded away a second round pick and hopes he can be a franchise quarterback along the way. A player who I think is a fine quarterback. A player who I believe can be a good quarterback. And you can argue, well, whose fault is it that Shanahan and Garoppolo couldn't reach the mountaintop, couldn't sustain success? And I think the answer is very simple. It's both. In any relationship, everyone has faults. Whether you're married, whether you're dating, whether it's a friendship, every person has their baggage. Every person has their stubbornness. I know I do. I know my girlfriend does. I know my parents do. And I'm sure in your life, you know people, maybe you are that person who has the exact same things. The baggage, the stubbornness, even the pride sometimes. There is no difference when you look at a quarterback and a head coach combination. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, arguably, and in my opinion, they are, the greatest quarterback and head coach duo of all time. They had their baggage. They had their pride, their stubbornness. And that came to a head, and they had to part ways. The difference is that took them 20-plus years, many Super Bowl trips, and many Super Bowl rings, many championships, to reach that point. To where they said, fine, we're done. We've done enough together. I need to be with somebody else. I need that fresh start. Shanahan and Garoppolo are reaching that point. They are near that mountain. Near the last straw. Near that final stand. Where pride, baggage, has all come to a point where they have to have to say goodbye. Now, at what point do they say that? Maybe it's this week. Trade deadline, November 2nd. Maybe that's the date we look at and go, there's a day. Or, maybe it's the offseason. Maybe it's a time where they can find a partner to trade him for. Who knows? But at the end of the day, it's going to be mutual. Garoppolo understands. Shanahan understands. Trey Lance just happens to be caught in the middle. People are blaming Lance. Oh, it's Lance's fault. Lance isn't good. Lance will be fine. Patience is key. You might see him a little bit on Sunday. He's active. He's going to be quarterback number two with, in Shanahan's own words, certain packages for him to possibly get in the game. 
if the Niners lose on Sunday, and I talked about this two weeks ago prior to the Colts game during the bye week, if they split or they lose both these games, Garoppolo has to be done. You are 2-5 and five if you lose on Sunday. 2-5. and five. Season likely over, or at least outside looking in. And it's very hard to go from three games under 500, five losses in a row, to changing quarterbacks who, in some opinions, is better than the current one. To then flip that and say we are a winning football team heading into a wild card game. Very hard. If you lose on Sunday, you then must look forward, look ahead. What is next? Maybe the grass isn't always greener. But right now, if you do lose five games in a row, how green is the grass you're currently standing on? Right now it's dry, it's barren. Like California, it's in a drought. They need to replenish, rekindle that magic. If they lose on Sunday, that heat on Shanahan gets even hotter on the hot seat. For Garoppolo, it likely spells doom for his job. But I want to tell you why I think this Sunday is the best chance for a get-right game. All the doom and gloom, it's spooky season, Halloween season, and we are going to give, we'll have a little fun towards the end of the podcast today. I'm going to compare Niner players to certain Halloween candies. going to be fun, a lighthearted note to send you on your way to Sunday's game, into the Halloween season, into Halloween night if you're trick-or-treating fantastic, or you're sitting inside watching horror movies, having fun with the kids, uh, maybe you're going to, to Disneyland, that, that is a great experience. But I want to tell you here, before all the fun stuff of the season happens, why I believe the Niners will win on Sunday against the Chicago Bears. Number one, the injury report came out. Khalil Mack will not play. Well, <laughs> That is a big help when you think, well, how can we win? The team's best defensive player will not be on the field. And while Khalil Mack isn't an elite player anymore, at least a defensive player of the year candidate anymore, he's a really good player that can cause problems for a right tackle like Mike McGlinchey or a left tackle like Jalen Moore who will likely get the start because Trent Williams is still questionable. Khalil Mack not going to play. Big help when it comes to having a good chance to win on Sunday against the Bears. Tayshawn Gibson not going to play one of their safeties. Akeem Hicks, one of the best defensive tackles over the last six seasons. He's questionable with a groin injury. He may not play. When two of their best defensive linemen are not going to play or possibly could not play, that is a big reason to have confidence going into Sunday. Let's be very clear. Even if those guys were to play, the Niners should still win. But it adds fuel to the fire to have more confidence in this team. Despite all the negative thoughts, this team should win on Sunday. And they're getting help. Robert Quinn is active off the COVID list. So is Elijah Wilkerson, one of their tackles. So they're not going to be relatively hurt. They're going to be somewhat hurt. They're going to have a few guys out and a few guys in. Now, we know how COVID has impacted players. If you've had COVID or you've been out for a little while, it takes a while to kind of get back up to speed, depending on the severity of the sickness or illness you've had. So 
and I hope these guys are healthy. I really do. But Quinn and Wilkerson may not be 100% on Sunday. Again, bad situation, but more fuel to that fire to have confidence. Matt Nagy, the Bears play caller, or at least the one who designs the plays, and their head coach is on the COVID list. He's also questionable. This is a team that could not have their leader, not have their head coach on Sunday. They could be somewhat directionless. When times get tough, who's throwing that challenge flag? Who's calling timeouts? This could benefit San Francisco even further, especially with the rookie quarterback that doesn't know any better currently in the NFL, who's getting his feet wet still and makes a ton of mistakes. Now flip that. Who's active for the Niners? Trey Lance, Debo Samuel, Marcel Harris. That does give you some more confidence. You're having your quarterback too in case Garoppolo, I mean, maybe he stinks on Sunday. Maybe he's not good. I think he'll be fine. But he adds dynamic ability to the offense that's further than what is already there. Debo Samuel, receiver number one. He may not be 100%, but at 80% Debo is better than no Debo. It's better than Sanu and Sherfield and Ayuk out there currently. And Marcel Harris, he's not great, but he's fine. He gives you a body in case someone else goes down. But he may have to start simply because Al Shair is going to be doubtful. And so is D Ford with concussions. They could be gone. Jordan Willis should be active to replace D Ford. He is one week out of a suspension for PEDs. He should be healthy, ready to go. A fresh body late in the year, always a positive thing. And Trent Williams again and Samson Ebukam are going to be questionable. Now, I think Williams is much more important, but I do trust Jalen Moore against what seems like a weakened Bears defensive front. All these things, despite maybe some injuries in the, in the Niners' book, point to them having the upper hand against the Bears on Sunday. And they already should. Let's look at the Bears' offense. Because most of these injuries are on defense. Ford, Alshair, Ebukam. Tart's going to be out. There are plenty of things that favor San Francisco. But the Bears' offense furthers that. The Bears rank 28th in the NFL as a total offense. That is awful. That is awful. They are a top 7 worst defense in football. Or offensive football. Awful. They are 30th in points. 30th in yards per game. Last in passing yards. Last in passing touchdowns. This, this team cannot move the football. The Bears' offense... They stink. They're not good. But one aspect in which they are really good is running the football. They are 6th in rushing yards, 5th in rushing attempts, and ninth in rushing touchdowns. If the Niners want to win on Sunday, and I hate saying it's simple, but it is, in words, very simple, more easier said than done, they have to limit what Chicago can do on the ground. If you have to play eight in the box, play eight in the box. If you have to put seven in the box, put seven in the box. Do what you can. If you want to play four-man fronts and have Warner and Harris and maybe bring Ward in the box, do it. 
some corner blitzes might help with K1 Williams. The Bears cannot beat them through the air. They cannot beat San Francisco through the air. If it's Mosley and even Josh Norman, despite so many DPIs he causes, and K1 and, and Lenore should be active, the Niners have... The Niners, the Niners have a much better secondary. They can hold fields in check. They can hold what the Bears want to do in check. Now, the Niners are not a great running defense, which is why it's so important that they cue in on that. DJ Jones, one of the better run stoppers in the NFL, will be playing. Kevin Givens, per Shanahan, could be activated on Sunday. And they're not going to have Maurice Hurst and Javon Kinlaw, who we'll talk about later in the podcast. He will not be active. He's on IR, done for the season. Season-ending knee surgery. He's done. This is, again, the Niners are banged up for sure. But even with a banged-up defense, they can hold the Bears' offense in check. The Bears' offense is inconsistent. It struggles. Justin Fields. Jesus. He has not been great all year. He has flashes. He's playing rookie football. This is what you expect. A rookie to come in and struggle. That's football. It's not a knock on him. It's just he's getting his feet wet still. He has no rhythm. It's inconsistent. Makes a good play here and a dumb play here. And that's not. And the offensive line is not helping him. The Bears offensive line has allowed the most sacks in football. They allow 3.7 sacks per game. Almost four sacks a game. Justin Fields himself has taken 179 yards of sacks this season. Like, think about that. For everyone who's complaining about Jimmy Garoppolo, Justin Fields has taken almost 180 yards of sacks alone. Like, that's, it's baffling how many yards that is. Like, it's not Derek Carr rookie year against the, for the Texans bad, but that is awful. Fields has been sacked 22 times this year. With, and, and he's fumbled six times in only five and a half games. He's fumbling once a game. He's giving you the ball. He's giving the ball back to you. Again, almost sacked four times a game. The Bears are allowing a sack every 14.4 snaps. 14.4% of snaps they're allowing a sack. Like, (laughs) that's almost one-fifth of the time. The Niners, again, stats, roster, on paper, the need to win on Sunday. Everything favors San Francisco. Fields has the second worst comp percentage in football when compared to his expected comp percentage. Fields also is ranked 23rd in, a, in adjusted time to throw out of 33 quarterbacks have over 100 attempts this year. Justin Fields has sucked as a rookie. Building blocks are there. A lot of confusion as to who's going to coach a team next year. A lot of guys have been hurt, but he has sucked. The Bears' offensive line has sucked. Fields holds the ball too long. It was a knock on him in college. 
He'll progress, but right now, week eight of the NFL season, he has not been good. The Bears have not been good. The Niners will get the ball back. It's about taking advantage of those turnovers, executing those turnovers, executing where it matters most. Here's one stat for you. The Niners this season, they're the number one ranked team in the NFL when it comes to scoring percentage in the red zone. When they get to the red zone, they score 85.7% of the time. The issue is they rank 28th in red zone attempts. When they get there, they are the best team in football of executing in the red zone, executing when it matters most. The issue is they don't get there enough. The offense is so stagnant, so inefficient, so inconsistent, they can't reach the red zone enough to execute in the red zone when it matters. They also ranked 30th. They are the third worst team in football on third down. They have a 31.4 success rate on third down this year. There's a reason why they cannot reach the red zone. Because they cannot execute on third down to keep drives alive. How many times on Sunday against the Colts were there three and outs? There was like six in a row. Shanahan talked about it. Garoppolo talked about it. Too many three and outs. No sustainable drives. And in the last few weeks, I talked about it on the last podcast. Against Seattle, 2 for 14. A 14.3 conversion rate on third down. Against Arizona, 3 for 11. A 27.3% conversion rate on third down. Versus the Colts, 1 for 11. 9.1 conversion rate on third down. Over their last three games, San Francisco is 16% conversion rate on third down. That is the worst in football. The Niners suck on third down. To put it bluntly, they do not play consistent football when it matters most. They, They do not play efficient enough football to get them into the red zone where they have shown the ability to score at ease. This is the difference in winning football games and losing football games. And against the Bears, against a bad offensive line, a quarterback who has not been good, a rookie quarterback who is prone to make mistakes, against a defense who has a banged-up defensive line, who was beat up in almost every single position, safety, linebacker, the Niners have everything in their favor to get back on track against the Bears. To, again, rekindle that magic They had, in 2017, in the last five games, in 2019, that entire season. If you're pointing to a game to get right, and I told you, they were going to lose against the Colts. That game favored the Colts every which way. This Sunday favors the Niners in every which way. This is a game where San Francisco not only needs to get right, I believe... They will get right. They will leave this game being 3-4. and four. They will leave this game with some hope, some optimism, and that magic will be rekindled. But it doesn't stop there. They have to, again, 
cut down on penalties. 2019, 117 penalties for 1,032 yards. 2021, on pace for 121 penalties. 1,532 yards. Not good. They have to capitalize on mistakes and limit their own. That's basic football. If the other team wants to give you the ball back, great. Now execute and capitalize on their mistake. The problem is the Niners can't do that, nor have they shown the ability to fix their own mistakes. Defensive pass interference, they lead the NFL. Again, Atlanta has sixth. They're in fifth place. Washington, seven. They're in fourth. Cleveland, tenth. They're in third. Tampa Bay, second, with ten. 204 yards, Tampa Bay. 250 yards of defensive pass interference penalties on 14 DPIs. Leading the NFL is your San Francisco 49ers. Not good, but again, if you want a get-right game, a team that plays sloppy football, that has been even more inconsistent, that ranks worst in offense than the Niners, it is the Chicago Bears. Talk about right place, right time for San Francisco. This is and could be the turning point they need to get their confidence back, to play complete football. This is a team that will likely not capitalize on the Niners' mistakes. This is a team where if you give them ground, the Bears cannot hold it. They will eventually give it up. This is a building block get-right game, and everything favors San Francisco. And I had two questions going into this game. If the Niners win, then what happens? And if they lose, then what happens? If they win on Sunday, which I think they will, I think we get George Kittle back in a week against the Cardinals. Trent Williams comes back in a week against the Cardinals. You feel healthy against a division opponent you almost beat last time. I think Garoppolo plays well enough to keep his job. And uh, Wayne Breezy put out a tweet, and, and Wayne's a great guy. Um, he said, I want 300 yards for Garoppolo on Sunday. I said, I don't need that. I need 260 yards Two touchdowns, no picks, and it at the most, one turnover. That's Jimmy G. That's efficient football. Have have a 65% comp percentage and just hit your guys. Hit your guys. Be efficient on third down. I don't, I don't need, again, I have never asked for a 4,000-yard passer. I've never asked for a 40-yard TD thrower. I don't care about that. I want to win. Mike Finn, who is loved on Niners Twitter, came on this very podcast last year and said, stats are for losers. Winning is what matters. Stats look nice. Trust me, I see Mahomes last year and two years ago. It was amazing. I see Josh Allen. I see Aaron Rodgers. The stats are great. But I want to win. Now, when stats and winning come together, (laughs) that's best of both worlds. But I just want 260 yards, two touchdowns, hopefully no turnovers at the most one, in a 65 comp percentage, and a San Francisco Niners win. That's all I need from Garoppolo. All I need. But if they lose, which I don't think they will, I think they'll win, of course. If they lose, Jimmy Garoppolo can't play. 
against the Cardinals. Trey Lance has shown the ability to already play against that team pretty well. Kyler Murray seems to be hurt a little bit. Uh, Hopkins is banged up. Watts out for the season now. If you want a game that you think, if you win against the Bears, even if you win against the Bears, really, but Garoppolo plays poorly, Lance can start against the Cardinals and you probably win that game against what looks like a banged up and probably feels somewhat defeated Cardinals team after a tough loss against the Packers on Thursday night. But but if the Niners lose, Garoppolo's done, you open the offense up, and you, you don't go into a complete rebuild, but maybe you start looking to trade certain pieces. Dre Greenlaw. If Al Shair is playing, or is playing, continues to play as good as he is, maybe you say, maybe Greenlaw's somewhere expendable. And I love Dre Greenlaw. But if he can net you a fourth-round pick, or a third-round pick at the most, probably... I think you take that deal, unless you are in love with Greenlaw, Greenlaw enough to want to want to keep him around for next year and beyond that, which they might. I love Greenlaw; he's a great linebacker. But those conversations then start to be had. Maybe a team wants Josh Norman. Maybe a team wants my again. So many questions come into play here. But if the Niners lose, you then turn to. What does 2022 look like? Trey Lance, you are now the starting quarterback. And the other question I had was, if this is Jimmy Garoppolo's last start, how will you remember the Jimmy Garoppolo era? And this is one thing I've reflected on a lot. Because if he is benched, you will get a surprise podcast and you will look back at his career. Uh, And I think one thing I will say to Garoppolo is thank you. That's how I will remember his career. There will be, I don't want to say a love for it, because it was very tumultuous of, you know, great, injured, great, injured, not great (laughs) this year. But there will be an appreciation for what he did in 2019 and 2017. Reinvigorated San Francisco 49ers football. That's what he did. He saved Kyle Shanahan from having four or five straight losing seasons. You could argue without 2019, Kyle Shanahan could be fired after this year. I think it's a good point to make. 2019 saved Kyle Shanahan. Jimmy Garoppolo does play a role in that. Just the truth. Whether you want to hear it or not, Jimmy Garoppolo is partly responsible for saving Kyle Shanahan's job. So there will be some appreciation for it. And another question is, Justin Fields versus Jimmy Garoppolo. Is Fields a good example of why Lance should sit all year? Or is he a reason why Lance should be playing? Again, kind of already addressed this, but I think we can go a little more in depth here of the Bears said, we have Andy Dalton. We don't want to start Fields. The Niners said, we have Garoppolo. We don't want to start Lance. Now, Dalton got her early. They said, forget about it. Fields, go play. Because he played well in replacing Dalton for that half of a game. Now, Lance has played a game and a half. And I think we can agree, Lance has looked really good, and he's looked like a rookie. And you say, well, well, it's fine. Like, there are flashes. There are mistakes I expect to happen. But he hasn't done enough to be crowned starting quarterback yet. And the plan from the beginning was to keep Garoppolo, and groom Lance. 
let Garoppolo start, then groom Lance behind the scenes, build him up for 2022, or at least late in this season. And despite what maybe Seth Wickersham's book says or what people on Twitter want to say, the Niners never talked to the Patriots about trading Garoppolo back to them. At least from what we know, from what Shanahan said, and even Wickersham said, look, they had informal conversations. It wasn't even Shanahan or Belichick or Kraft. They, they, the, the important people didn't have those talks. It was more so of like, hey, well, how about a second round pick? Eh, nah, how about a first? And that was kind of all it was. But that those talks didn't even involve the people that matter. They were like team officials that are like assistant, assistant Jim, assistant of the general manager. It, it was nothing important. And so the the pitched plan that Jed York signed off on was Garoppolo starts, Lance sits. I was all on board for that. And I understand it hasn't gone to plan. Injuries happen. Poor play comes into effect. Garoppolo hasn't played that well. Shanahan himself hasn't had a good year. People want to point fingers. They both are to blame or partially to blame for this 2-4 and four start. But this is the plan. And I'm on board with that plan. But this Sunday, it becomes, it's all or nothing. The plan sticks, or you failed at it. And we look back and say Shanahan couldn't handle two quarterbacks. And it failed. It was a failure of a plan they came up with. They botched it. Then the conversation becomes that. But, in regards to Fields being an example of why Lance shouldn't start, I would agree with that. Fields, up to this point, being arguably one of the worst quarterbacks in football, leading one of the worst offenses in football, is a reason why Trey Lance should not have started to begin the year. But now that we're going to be eight weeks into the season, Justin Fields is now a reason why Trey Lance should start if the Niners lose on Sunday. Let him get his bumps and bruises to end the year. That way, 2022, he is experienced enough to be competent as an NFL quarterback. He is intertwined with Shanahan. They they have a rhythm. They know how they both want to play. He understands the playbook. He builds that chemistry starting from Week 9, possibly against the Cardinals, or Week 11 against the Jags, onward to next year. So... I think the Fields experiment in Chicago is one that I think lends a greater perspective as to what Lance likely would have looked like to begin the year, but not exactly what he could look like to end the year. But it's a good basis point as to the Niners tried to do this thing right, but if they lose on Sunday, they may have to take a Bears-esque step to saying we're going to start Fields Now the Niners have to say, we're going to start Trey Lance. That's as simple as it can be. But what isn't so simple is Javon Kinlaw. And uh, this sucks. Another year, another first-round pick injured. Another first-round pick failing to impact the game. And it looks even worse now that Brandon Ayuk continues to be a non-factor. The, tw- the entire 2020 draft just is nothing now. Nothing. Your first round pick, 
13th overall, is done for the year again. He had injuries last year. You drafted him knowing he had knee injuries. If anything, and I get the injury could have gotten worse over time, but in hindsight, I would have rather drafted Tristan Wirfs. And again, anybody can play Monday morning quarterback, but you can trade McGlinchey, you can draft Wirfs, who has been the best right tackle in football two years in a row, really. Like, really has been. And you could have drafted Justin Jefferson or a C.D. Lamb. Like, there are... <laughs> There are a lot of ways and a lot of changes that draft could have had had the Niners not picked Kinlaw or traded up for Ayuk. Like, the Packers probably wouldn't have picked Jordan Love, and they probably would have had Ayuk. Now, you can argue they probably would have used him better so far, but that is what it is. But Kinlaw, hurt last year, played pretty well. Like, again, when he was on the field, wasn't that bad. He was a, he was a rookie. He was fine. There were some things you liked. Some things that you need to clean up. Maybe you need to lose some weight, gain some muscle, change techniques somewhat. Again, rookie things to clean up that take time to. Uh, and he was going to work with Chris Kosarek, the D-line coach, and they, they were going to make Kinlaw Buckner 2.0, or try to at least. Now, fast forward a year, he's hurt again. He hasn't played in a few weeks. Had knee surgery. They think, per Shanahan, that... They figured out what was wrong, which is good. That he can come back next year in 2022, be cleaned up. But here's the issue. And you would have assumed that Shanahan and Lynch would have learned from their mistakes of trading for D Ford or seeing the Buckner Armstead trade and resign and said, uh, you know, maybe. We should have done it differently. But Armistead has turned out to be a good football player. Maybe not worth $85 million, but a good football player that has contributed to this team's success. At least on the defensive line, not as a whole, obviously. But you would have thought they would have learned from the Armstead experience. From the Solomon Thomas experience of drafting a defensive lineman high. And I get they didn't pick Armstead, but they did resign him. <laughs> But they took the long route with him. They said, keep him around. He hasn't been that great, but there's potential there. And they played the waiting game. We're waiting for the potential to come to fruition. That same thing is happening with Kinlaw. Oh, well, we drafted him high. We knew he had the knee injury. He was okay his rookie season, but now he's out again. So now you're waiting for year three, year four. It's the same thing with McGlinchey. How many first-round picks do, do the Niners have to take and be forced to not pick up their fifth-year option? Now, Kinlaw has time to rekindle and get back to what they hope he should be, but Armstead, McGlinchey. Eventually, probably Kinlaw. Eventually, probably Ayuk. These are four guys, four or five guys that they made that they drafted early, maybe overdrafted, and they may not pick up their fifth-year options. That is the all signs of a failing draft pick. The only time a draft pick isn't a failure and he doesn't have his fifth-year option picked up is if they re-signed him to a larger extension. The Niners only did that with Armstead because he showed off his last year of eligibility prior to free agency. They didn't do it with Thomas. They likely are not going to do it with McGlinchey. And from where we're at now, 
It's not going to be Ayuk and it's not going to be Kinlaw either. These are the mistakes they did not learn from. Now, I like Kinlaw. I'm not going to put a bus label on him, but I don't blame people for saying he is that. I think it's technically too early to do that because, again, we've seen it. Things can change. Eric Armstead being the best example of that. But we've also seen things don't change. Solomon Thomas, Mike McGlinchey. It's up to the player and the coach to make sure those changes happen. But how many high draft picks do we have to go through? Do the Niners, do Shanahan and Lynch have to go through before they stop making the same mistake over and over and over again? And I get you don't go into a pick saying, well, we hope he pans out. You go into it with the expectation of we think he'll be a great player. But that lends fans and lends myself to say maybe you aren't the greatest judge of a player. Maybe you aren't the greatest scout of a player. Maybe you you really, and again, it lends fans and people to go, maybe you really don't know what you're doing. Which then causes the seed to get hotter. For fans to call for firings. Like Kinlaw is the next, the next example of failure for the Niners. Or what could be failure for Lynch and Shanahan. The mistakes they made in 2017 have lingered through 2020. It's a four-year gap of not much learning. Not much... Not much learning experience. Like, like, they failed so much through 2017 and 2018. They, they, it seems like 2019 erased everything that they learned in 2017-2018. And they started over, hit the reset button, but made the exact same mistakes over and over again. Like, it's frustrating. It, it, it really is. Like, it... it it pisses you off sometimes. And people saying Javon Kinlaw equals bust, I don't blame you. I do not. But that's that's kind of where we're at. But thankfully, I don't think his his inactivity the remainder of the season, his absence, is going to affect the season as a whole. Armstead, DJ Jones, Kevin Givens, when Hurst comes back, they can fill those roles. They can replace his productivity because let's be honest here it wasn't really that much to begin with despite there being the building blocks for a good player it really wasn't that productive for them while he was on the field I think they will not miss him as much as people may have think they might but again I don't think at least on Sunday against the Bears he's not going to be missed that much now again Jones, Givens, and Armstead have to pick up those pieces and, and play good football but I don't think Kinlaw is going to be an, an, an X factor, or a deciding factor in Sunday's game because he's not there. But I do think the Niners win on Sunday. I think it's going to be like 28 to 16. I think they win handily, but I think the Bears score late. You know, let's say, no, no, it's like 9 to 28. They get a touchdown, make it 16 28. I, th- I think the Niners establish the run. I think they win, they get back on track. And I do think that they celebrate Halloween in good spirits. They're three and four. They get to you know come back home against the Cardinals. Maybe play a banked up team. Maybe they can get back to five hundred. But that road starts on Sunday against the Bears. Trade deadline is soon, November second. Maybe this game has some implications on that. But I do think San Francisco wins twenty eight sixteen against the Bears. They do get back on track, and I do think they celebrate the holidays holiday season, holiday day itself 
in good spirits, they have their candy, and they enjoy themselves. But let's kick off... Let's end today's show, excuse me, with a fun experiment. Let's talk about Halloween. Let's talk about the, the day itself. And let's compare Halloween candy to San Francisco 49er players. We have the Halloween music bumping in the background. It's This is Halloween Trap Edition. Uh, but let's start off with our first... Niner player, Jimmy Garoppolo. Which candy is Jimmy Garoppolo? I'll let you think for a little bit here. But I said he was a York Peppermint Patty. Now, peppermint really is best used as an accent to other foods. Usually doesn't serve as the main course. It's usually an accent to a bigger meal, a bigger portion of the meal. It usually isn't the main dish or snack on the platter or on the plate. But during certain seasons... Halloween, Christmas, that peppermint patty hits a little different, hits the spot and performs above expectations, has a nice minty flavor to it, and kind of feels nice when it's cold outside, you have a sweater on, it makes you feel a little warm on the inside, that to me is Jimmy Garoppolo, he isn't the best candy, but at certain times he hits just right, despite maybe not wanting him all the year. Mike McGlinchey is our next Niner player. Mike McGlinchey, to me, is the dreaded candy corn. Now, candy corn isn't the great candy. If you like it, I'm sorry. But it somehow does enough to stick around. It's around every holiday season, what seems like, or at least every Halloween season. It's never going to be in someone's top 10 candy list, uh, but it has its area of strengths. Again, that being Halloween. People like it around that time of the year. Yet still somehow... It gets all this hate. It, again, not top 10 candy. And really, it's kind of quiet. It doesn't It's not boastful. It isn't proudful. But it's a, it's fine to have around. It's a fine candy. You're never, gonna, you're never going to offer it to somebody else. But you'll have it around for a holiday season, the Halloween season of, eh, I got some candy corn, I guess, but I wouldn't offer it to you first. That is Mike McGlinchey. Now next, Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead, to me, is a payday. Now, I have a emotional attachment to payday bars and I'll try to eliminate that in the conversation currently but to me paydays aren't the most popular candy on the market but quietly they get the job done again I like paydays if I have a sweet tooth for one day and there's a payday bar I will take it now I wouldn't pay five bucks for a payday I would not overpay for a payday bar and that seems to kind of be most of the source for its hate a little high priced for a payday bar nowadays but in my opinion it is a safe choice for a candy bar it'll get the job done it isn't the best candy maybe a little more expensive than you like but it's a solid enough candy bar that is eric armstead now george kittle he is a snickers bar george kittle it is the american candy a snickers is the american candy bar just like george kittle is the people's tight end. It's loud, it's fun, it's always enjoyable. It gets the most notoriety, and everyone seems to love it. George Kittle is a Snickers bar. Now, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, to me, he's quiet, but reliable. He's never the center of attention, but is, in my opinion, the best candy bar, if you can call it that, 
in the dish. It always seems to leave a lasting impact. He's a Reese's peanut butter cup. Nick Bosa is a Reese's peanut butter cup. And Fred Warner. Now, this is not going to be a candy bar, but it's going to be a candy. Fred Warner is Skittles. Now, I know that's synonymous with Marshawn Lynch, but Fred Warner is Skittles. It is a treat for any day, any season of the year. No matter the flavor, Skittles always makes someone want to taste the rainbow. Please excuse the over the overtly sexual nature of that comment, but Skittles are good any day of the year. Fred Warner is good every single Sunday. Fred Warner is Skittles. Now, last but not least, the new kid on the block, Trey Lance. He's fun. He's colorful. And sometimes he's kind of full of surprises of what he can do on Sunday. He is an Eminem. The question is, will Lance melt under pressure just like the candy-coated chocolate of an Eminem, or will he stay fresh and provide sustainability for the 49ers franchise for years to come? So let's go over all of them once again. Jimmy Garoppolo, a York peppermint patty. Mike McGlinchey, the dreaded candy corn. Eric Armstead's a payday. George Kittle, the people's tight end. A Snickers is the American candy bar. Nick Bosa is a Reese's peanut butter cup. Quiet, but still one of the best out there. Fred Warner is Skittles. Good on any given Sunday. And Trey Lance is the M&M's. Will he melt under pressure or will he provide years of success for Kyle Shanahan John Lynch? Us Faithful and the San Francisco 49ers. Again, if you disagree with me, if you want to tell me who you believe Jimmy Garoppolo, McGlinchey, Kittle, Warner, Lance, what candy bar, what candy you think they are, you're going to want to follow us on social media, Instagram at 49ers.access, Twitter 49ers underscore access. Again, tell me who you believe, which candy bar they are, which candy you think they are for the holiday season. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. Again, follow us on social media to stay up to date with every single 49er update. You are not going to want to miss a thing. Enjoy Halloween, whether you're with the kids, by yourself, watching spooky movies. Maybe you're out there trick-or-treating, back to normal, hopefully for some of you out there. Whatever you choose to do, enjoy the game on Sunday. Go Niners. I think they get back on track this week. I believe he will leave Chicago with a win. And until next time, this has been the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and stay faithful. Don't you look good in this?